Well, good morning. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor here at Christ Church Albany, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us this morning. Uh, so here's a question that rattles around in my head quite a bit. Why is it that most people are not interested in the idea of church? Uh, here's what I mean. Uh, what stats tell us is that here in Albany, there's about 97,000 people. Uh, in the capital region, there's a little less than a million, depending on how you count. And what the stats say is that most of them are not regularly going to church. Uh, some of them might believe in God or have you know some you know different beliefs in Jesus, but most of them are not actively involved in a church family and probably don't really believe that much or at least following Jesus. And why is that? Because to me, like I, I love church and not the building. Uh, I love being a part of a church family. I love the friendships and the depth that comes with that. Uh, I'm a huge fan of grace. I'm a big fan of generosity and forgiveness. Uh, I'm a big fan of the idea of heaven and an even bigger fan of the idea that heaven doesn't just have to be something that we're gonna get to go to someday, but it's a way of life that we can experience right now. And what I found in my own life is the more I move these beliefs and practices just from things I believe in my head to things I'm actually living out. It's just a better way to live. I, I mean, I, I feel better. There's more peace. There's more joy. It helps my marriage. It helps me as a parent. It helps me as a friend. Uh, and not at all saying that becoming a Christian or being a part of a church makes your life just easy and, you know, it's all just rainbows and butterflies. But it really is like the way in which we are created to live. It's the best way to live. And so I wonder, why doesn't everybody want to be a part of that? Especially because I talk to folks, and I'm sure you do too, friends and neighbors and uh, people we spend time with. And like they have sometimes like a little bit of a negative view of the church. Sometimes they have like a super negative view of church and not just our church, but it's kind of church in general. And why is that? And at least one of the things that sometimes people will say of like a problem that they have against churches is that churches are all about money. That that's really what they're after. Like that's what the whole deal is. It's all kind of a, you know, smoke and curtains kind of front for them to somehow get your money. My favorite story of this, uh, my brother-in-law is a pastor as well and he was working at a church in Springfield, Illinois and he finally got one of his neighbors to come and visit church. And uh, some of you know, if you've been inviting one of your friends or neighbors to come to church, uh, that's just like a big deal when they finally come. Uh, or maybe for some of you, it was a big deal when you finally came and you accepted the invitation from someone else. It's just like a really, really cool thing. So he finally came, and then that particular Sunday, they were having a congregational meeting afterwards. And so the friend decided, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stick around afterwards. And uh, afterwards, my brother-in-law was asking, hey, what did you think of the meeting? And the guy was like, oh, I didn't like the part where they kept saying that we really need to get more giving units. We need to find a way to do programs in the city. We need to find a way to like do outreach. You know, we need to find a way to get more people to come because what we need is more giving units. And maybe that's been your perception of church too. 
is that that's really, you know, like, yeah, we'll, 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 you know, dole out a little, you know, spiritual goods, you know, we'll give you some things to help you in your life. But really what we want in return is we want your money so that we can, I don't know, build big fancy buildings and pay staff members to have lots of fancy things. And that's a problem with a lot of folks in their view of church. And I think that's a real bummer because I think that churches, when the way in which they handle money and giving and kind of that whole thing should not only like not be a negative, I think it should be inspiring. I think other people should see the way that churches handle money and they should think, that is awesome. Like that is how every organization should handle their money. Like that is so cool the way that they do that. And so what I want to do today is we're going to look at a uh, text of scripture. If you've been following along with us, we've been looking at a, a letter, ancient letter, 2,000 years ago that's part of the Bible uh, called 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is going to talk about how he views money and how he thinks that the way in which he's handling money is actually something that will attract people, that other people will hear about it and they'll think that is awesome. Uh, and then after we look at Paul, uh, I want to share a few things that we do here at Christ Church Albany uh, with money that I think are super cool and I think that we as a church should be super proud of and that we should feel like we can talk to the other friends and neighbors and maybe if money is a thing that's kept them away from church, that maybe these are things that we can share with them that say, hey, here's what we, I don't know what other churches do, <clears throat> but here's what we do in our church and we think that it's very, very cool. Uh, so first. Here's the setup uh, for 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So again, it's written by this guy named Paul. Paul, if uh, you know, started off his life uh, not with the name Paul. He started off his name uh, with the name Saul. Uh, and Saul was like, he was like the golden boy. Like He, he was on a, a fast track for a great career from the day he was born. I mean, he was, you know, valedictorian. He was, you know, uh, MVP of all of his teams. He was, you know, most likely to succeed. Uh, he was just always just kind of one of the best and the brightest in every single situation that he was in. So much so that when he was a teenager, he got placed in an apprenticeship of sorts uh, under a rabbi named Galil. And that would be like the equivalent 2,000 years ago of getting a Harvard fellowship or, you know, some amazing, you know, internship somewhere at some, you know, amazing organization. And he was set up as a teenager where he was on a career track where someday for sure he was going to be one of the premier religious leaders in all of Israel. Maybe he was even going to be the high priest someday. Uh, he was looking at a career that would have had lots of power. He was looking at a career that would have had lots of money uh, because that was kind of the career that was the money position, power position that you went into if you were an Israelite 2,000 years ago is you got in the religious system because the temple just generated a lot of money and there was some kind of crooked stuff that was going on there, uh, but the people that were highest in the religious system had the most money. And then Saul became Paul and he became a Christian. And when he became a Christian, he couldn't be a religious Jewish leader anymore. And so one of the decisions he made when he became a Christian was to turn his back on that whole career path, on all the opportunity, on all the power, on all the money. And to follow Jesus, he had to embrace a life of poverty in a lot of ways, turning away from what could have been. 
Uh, and then Paul, once he became a Christian, started touring all around the known world at that point and starting all these churches and writing and speaking. Uh, and this also gave him a chance to be able to make a lot of money if he wanted to. Uh, there was a, a precedent, uh, even in Christian circles, that uh, different uh, preachers would go around and they would make some money or at least good enough to be able to live on. Uh, but then in the kind of the secular world, in cities like Corinth and in Athens and in Rome, there were these like orators that were big, big, big deals. Uh, that, that was like what would fill stadiums back then is these amazing thinkers and speakers would present their ideas and people would pay lots of money to come and hear them speak and you had to pay at different tiers. So if you wanted to hear kind of their entry level talk, you would pay some amount of money. But if you wanted to hear like their really deep thoughts, you needed to pay even more money. Uh, in one book that I was reading about ancient culture 2,000 years ago, uh, they were saying that these orators, especially in cities like Corinth, were literally the rock stars of the day. I mean, they were seen as just like amazing people with, you know, lots of authority, lots of power, and lots of money. And Paul could have easily embraced that lifestyle. He was a brilliant thinker. Uh, I mean, just think, I mean, 2,000 years, we're still reading what he wrote, and it's still so profound. So you can imagine how amazing and profound his words and his teaching were then, and he could have easily built a big audience and probably made a lot of money. But what we're gonna see is that Paul decided to take a completely different route, and even though he could have gotten a lot of money, he decided that he was going to say no. Uh, so here's where we start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, and where he's going to start is he wants to let people know that, hey, like, I, when we're talking about like people who deserve money, uh, I would fall in the category of someone who deserves money. Uh, here's what he says. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are my seal of the apostleship of the Lord. Uh, so here's kind of like my LinkedIn resume. Uh, here, here's why like people should come and hear me speak. I have seen Jesus. Other people like talk about Jesus, like I actually saw him. Uh, and that makes me an apostle. And not only that, like, do you remember like, I lived here for a year and a half. Paul lived with the folks in Corinth for a year and a half. He invested in them, he spent time with them. Uh, he, that church wouldn't be in existence if it wasn't for all the time and the effort that Paul put in. And surely that would be worth them paying. That, that, that would be worth some money if he decided to do it. Uh, and then he gives some examples of like why we pay people uh, who deserve things. Uh, the first example he uses is uh, verse 7. He said, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Like, who would do that? Uh, I don't know if any of you have served in the military or you have friends or family that have served in the military. Uh, I know I do. And all of them, anyone who serves in the military, I'm sure serves because they have a love for country and, you know, good motives behind it. But there's also an expectation that, like, hey, like, I'm going to get compensated for this. Like, I I'm going to serve but you're gonna pay for my college. Uh, I'm gonna serve, but I'm gonna get a paycheck for this. Uh, I'm gonna serve, but you're gonna pay for my uniform, you know, you're gonna pay for my, my food and my housing. Like, uh, I'm gonna be made whole for being a part of this. And Paul said, like, I mean, come on, who would serve in the military at their own expense? 
Like, who would pay money so that they could be a part of the military? Uh, who would say, you know, hey, you know, it's time to pitch in, to fill the tank up with gas, you know, let, let, let me give some of my money for that. Like, no, like, the, the, if you're gonna serve, if you're gonna put that kind of effort, you expect and you deserve to be compensated for that. Uh, then he gives another example, uh, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Uh, yeah, I don't know if uh, you've raised livestock or uh, some of you have gardens, but for sure, uh, if you've been spending all that time and in the spring you planted everything and all summer long now you've been watering and weeding and now you're finally getting a harvest, like everyone would say like, hey, if you want to like give some of it away, you know, you're welcome to do that, but like it's your garden. like. Feel free to take as much of it as you want to eat, you know, and, and, and feed your own family because you put in the work, you deserve to have some of it. And Paul says, hey, like that that's my camp. Like I, I definitely, if based off of everything I've put in, I deserve to be paid. But Paul is gonna say, even though I deserve to be paid, I'm deciding, I'm opting out. I'm not gonna take any money. Uh, here's what he says. He says, for we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel. Paul says, even though we could have taken all this money, uh, and even though we probably deserved to get paid, we decided that we weren't going to take any money because we thought it might hinder the gospel. Because here's what Paul knows, uh, and here's what all of us know, is that Motivations matter. Uh, I had uh, my birthday back in the uh, spring, and uh, it seems like every year on my birthday, I'll get uh, an array of different postcards from different random organizations. Uh, sometimes it's from car dealerships that we've gone to at one point to maybe buy a car from them. Uh, sometimes it's from a restaurant, and, and they're all wishing me happy birthday. And I never get excited when I get those birthday cards because I know like this isn't really about me. Uh, this restaurant owner wasn't sitting around thinking, oh, it's John Hendrick's birthday coming up soon and we just really wanna do something special for him. Maybe we can send him a card. No, like they somehow got my birthday and it's a marketing ploy. They, they wanna get me into their restaurant and so they think by wishing me a happy birthday, it might help them get business and help them make money. And, and I get that, but it doesn't like warm my heart. Uh, or how about this? Uh, I've only had this happen a, a, a couple times, luckily, I think. Uh, but every once in a while, uh, like an old friend will contact me. You know, someone who like I went to high school with, college with, and sometimes it's even someone who like I wasn't even that close to in high school. And all of a sudden they, they Facebook friend me and then they're messaging me and they want to set up a phone call and they want to talk to catch up. I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. And then you get on the phone and you realize pretty quickly that like they're in some sort of a new company, some sort of a pyramid scheme operation, and they have something, say they have an opportunity that they want to sell me. It's like, you weren't trying to catch up with me. You didn't care about really finding out how I was doing in my life. You have something that you're trying to sell. You were thinking through all the people you might have known in your life, and that's why you're contacting me. And that's so true uh, when it comes to things like church, isn't it? 
Uh, I mean, that's the motivation that a lot of people think that we have is like the reason why we want them to come and be a part of our church, the reason why we want them to come and be a part of these things. Maybe the reason why we're doing things out in the community is because we're just trying to get more people into our church and we want to get their money. And if people think that's the motivation, then they're never really going to take the whole thing seriously. And Paul thought, I I'm worried about that. And I don't want to hinder anyone from coming to know Jesus. And so if it means that I'm not going to take any money, then so be it. Uh, a couple years ago, it was actually probably like 20 years ago, I don't know. Uh, there was a book that came out called The Purpose Driven Life. It was written by a guy named Rick Warren. And it just took off. Uh, it was on the bestseller list, on the New York Times bestseller list for almost 80 weeks. Uh, sold, you know, millions and millions of copies. Uh, I don't know how many copies it sold now, but one of the best-selling books probably uh, of all time. And so Rick Warren, when a pastor, you know, a book about Jesus, made gobbles of money from this book. And I heard a story that uh, a couple years after the book was written and he was making all this money, uh, he had some decisions of what am I going to do with all this money and what he decided is that one he'd been working for a church for uh, 20 years or so at that point that he was going to pay back his salary they, that the church had paid him for the last 20 years he was going to pay it all back to him so he's basically going to have worked for free for the last 20 years uh, and he decided that they were going to stay in the same house they were going to stay in the, they were going to drive the same cars and they were going to become reverse tithers. So sometimes people in church will talk about giving away 10%. As we said, man, what we're going to do is we're going to live on 10% and we're going to give away 90%. And I don't know, like, I don't know Rick Warren. Uh, I don't know what he's really like in person or his character, but how he handled that amount of money was so inspirational to me. It makes me want to listen to him. It makes me want to follow him. And that's what Paul was hoping for. Paul was hoping that with the way that he was handling his money, that other people would say, right, obviously he's not doing this for the money. Obviously he's not in this so he can just like be another, you know, get power and authority. Like, I think he's doing this just because he really, really believes in it. Uh, here's what Paul says at the end of the chapter, and uh, I'm gonna read this from the message version because I think uh, it just makes it uh, so, so clear. He says, still, I want to make it clear that I've never gotten anything out of this for myself and that I'm not writing now to get something. I'd rather die than give anyone ammunition to discredit me or impugn my motives. If I proclaim the message, it's not to get something out of it myself. I am compelled to do it and doomed if I don't. If this was my own idea or just another way to make a living, sure, I'd expect some pay. But since it's not my idea, but something solemnly entrusted to me, why would I expect to get paid? So I, am, so I am getting anything out of it? Yes, as a matter of fact, the pleasure of proclaiming the message at no cost to you, you don't even have to pay my expenses. How cool is that? And I, I don't know like what you think of the Bible or what you think of the Apostle Paul, but the fact that like Paul did that, that he turned down this big luxurious career, that he turned down the opportunity to get paid for what he was doing. Like, doesn't that want to make you listen to him more? Doesn't that make you like take more seriously the things that he said? And I think that when people hear about our church and the way in which we spend money, 
they should have the same reactions of, that's awesome. Uh, so I just wanna share with you a few things that we've intentionally done as a church that I think are pretty cool when it comes to money. Uh, the first is a, a lot of you and uh, our volunteers. Uh, as you may know, we are an incredibly volunteer-led church. Uh, when you watch these videos on Sunday morning, uh, almost everyone you see uh, besides myself is a volunteer. Uh, all the people that play music, all the people that speak, uh, all the people that were guest preachers this summer, uh, all the people that are behind the scenes editing and helping to put everything together, they're all doing it for free as volunteers. Uh, and then when we go back to doing like normal church world, if we ever do that. I mean, the, the people that you see that are greeting, the people that are doing cafe work. Uh, this past week we did our Holy Smokes barbecue, the people that cooked the food, the people that made the food, the people that help with all the infrastructure needs behind it. They're all doing it not for a paycheck. They are doing it completely as volunteers. And I think that's amazing. I mean, you can't at all say like, the reason why they are doing that is because of money. They're doing it because they believe in this, and, and that matters. Uh, I have a, a, a sister-in-law, uh, Ashley's sister, and she's a professional uh, opera singer, and she lives in the Chicago area, and so one of the things that uh, professional singers do to make some extra money is they sing for a lot of religious services. And so uh, back before COVID times, she would fill up her whole weekend singing at various churches and getting paid for it. But if you were to pull her aside any of those churches and say, why are you doing this? You know, do you just love this church and their mission? You know, do you love the message that they're presenting? She would say, no, I'm doing this because I'm getting paid. And that is not the case for the folks that you see serving here. They are doing this. They are giving up time to their families. They are giving up time uh, that they could be working and potentially making more money. They are doing it because they believe in what they are doing and they believe in the mission of this church and how important it is. Uh, kind of the caveat to that is, of course, there's some people that you do see that are getting paid by Christchurch Albany. Uh, we have two people on the payroll, uh, myself uh, full-time, and then Jess, our children's director, very, very part-time. Uh, and I can tell you that while our church is great in how they handle things that I think we get paid a fair wage. Uh, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart that neither myself or Jess or anyone else who's ever been on staff at Christ Church Albany, we are not doing this because of the money. Uh, and we put in extra time, we put in extra hours. We're doing this because this is what we love. Uh, next thing that I think uh, we should be proud of, of how we do money here as you may know, we have two side initiatives, uh, Love Albany and Serve Albany. Uh, Love Albany is our community events, movie nights, helping out with street fairs, things that we haven't been able to do as much of uh, this year, but uh, have done a lot of in the past and will do in the future. And then Serve Albany, where we help uh, work with organizations, nonprofits in the area, and help funnel hundreds of volunteers towards those organizations. And it would be so easy for us to charge for those things of, hey, you wanna do a movie night in Washington Park? No problem, here's what it would cost for us to come set up our equipment. Hey, you want us to help you get volunteers for your organization? Hey, here's our fee, here's our charge. But we have said that we are not gonna charge a penny for any of that stuff. You wanna borrow our popcorn machine for your block party? You wanna borrow speakers? Uh, you wanna use any of the resources you have? You want us to come alongside and help you as an organization to be able to help make our city into a better place? We're doing that 
100% free of charge. Uh, another thing I think that you should be proud of is that uh, the offerings that do come into our church, uh, we give a good amount of that away. Uh, last year, we gave over $17,000 away, uh, and we gave that to organizations in India, in Albania, and to help plant churches all over the world. And we do that because we genuinely really believe in this stuff. Uh, and the last thing is how we talk about giving at Christ Church. And I don't have time to go into all this now. You can go back into previous messages. But we tell everyone that we believe generosity is the best possible way to live. But here's what we don't say. Is we don't say you should be generous and the way you should be generous is to give all your money to Christ Church Albany. We intentionally tell you that you should give some of your money to nonprofits that are helping the poor and the marginalized, and you should intentionally be giving money away to help with hospitality, uh, throwing parties, doing things that are making your neighborhood, your street, your family, your friends into a better place to be. And that's very different when it comes to church world. So different that I've had many different uh, church leaders from other churches tell me the way in which you talk about generosity might be right and it might even be biblical, but it's not smart for you to raise enough money for your church. But we believe it's the right thing to do. And, and I love those things. I love the way that we do money here at the church. I love that we rent this building and we don't own it. I love that we don't put a lot of money into staff, we don't put a lot of money into buildings, that we put as much money as we possibly can into making the world into a better place, and we encourage you to do the same with your money. But here's what I know and here's what you know, is that comes at a cost. All the volunteer hours that you guys give comes at a cost. Cost of career hours, uh, cost of money that you could give other places. Uh, being a part of this church will cost you something. Uh, with the amount of money that we could be bringing in from Love Albany and Serve Albany, I really believe that those could be like big economic engines if we wanted them to be. And so we're maybe losing out by not having money from those things. Uh, $17,000 is a lot of money. If we would have kept that money, we could have done some really neat things for, for us and for us to do things here instead of giving that money away. But here's what we believe, is that it's 100% worth it. Especially, as Paul says, if it helps bring our friends and neighbors to a saving grace of Jesus, we will do whatever it takes to keep doing that. And the reason why is because we believe that that's what Jesus did. And he showed that for us when he died for us on the cross, that he would do anything to have a relationship with us. And I don't know if you can see, but yes, I'm standing out, sitting outside and I'm in the rain, uh, but we're almost finished. So I'm going to finish in the rain. So let's take uh, communion together. Uh, let's take some bread that represents how much Jesus paid for a relationship with us. Let's take the juice. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the extravagant way that you loved us and help us to give and sacrifice in that same way. Thank you for the example of Paul. Help us to live in such a way with our money and with our finances that when other people see it, they say, that's awesome. And it makes me want to know more about this Jesus, makes me want to know more about what it would be like to be a part of a church like that. It's your name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Uh, I'm getting soaked, I'm gonna go inside. Uh, see you soon, bye.